Hello and welcome to the Drums Leadership Lessons, a podcast that aims to speak to advertising and media professionals from all around the world and find out how they view their management and aim to motivate the people they work with and find out a bit more about the leaders that they have learned from and looked up to. I am Stephen Leptak, editor of The Drum and your host for this series. So I'm here for the latest episode of The Drum's Leadership Lessons with Brian Whipple, the global CEO of Ascension Interactive and a man whose who's, um, profile and image within the media marketing sector has skyrocketed in recent years and who, in many ways, a lot of people are very intrigued by as well. So hopefully they'll learn a lot more about you, but also your leadership styles and your views on leadership as well. So thank you for doing this, Brian. Nice to see you again. Uh, Happy to do it. I love that we only do it um, in warm climates uh, where it's luxurious and not just pubs. Well, it won't be warm here in about a month. So. Yeah, New York. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you just love the temperature in this place? Um, so what I want to do is just get your views on um, leadership and try to understand a bit about your own style and uh, pass on some lessons to our audience as well. So I always begin by asking, what, what does the term leadership mean to you? What does the word mean to you? Well, I think, you know, like a lot of words in this and other industries, it's probably often overused and uh, it's become jargonized, uh, such as transformation, uh, digital innovation, uh, innovation, end-to-end, and and things like that. But, you know, ultimately, if if you break down the word, and my mom was by far a language person, and my dad was a math person, so... I believe in both. Uh, you know, it stands from leading, which means to me helping make broader groups of people successful. So it's really about helping make others successful uh, and, and showing them, not necessarily doing things for them, but showing them or maybe guiding them a little bit. Uh, but it's really more about their success than is your personal success. That's how I would define it. Do you think of yourself as a leader? Or is that something that you put yourself in the role as? Is it, is it something you think about quite, quite often? I would say for me, I do, I do not spend a lot of active brain cycles uh, thinking about it per se. Uh, now there are exceptions to that when it's very clear that you know, business or organizational decisions need to be made. Um, then I probably think about it a little more, but I think more directly, it's it's kind of a just a byproduct of who you are and the role you're in. And I think if the things, if you're in a leadership position and the things you are doing naturally aren't leadership oriented, then you probably shouldn't be in that position at this point. So I don't spend a lot of time actively thinking about it. I think about really what I should be doing, and hopefully that corresponds with being a good leader. So, um, for your point of view, then, if you're if you're not strategizing yet, you're not thinking constantly. Oh, I I, I need to project a certain image. Is yeah. that correct? So, how do you see yourself then? How would you describe your leadership? So, I definitely do not spend any time thinking about any sort of personal or work image that needs to be projected. I spend right. zero minutes, lose zero sleep on any of that. And anyone that knows me well would tell you that. I do instead think about two things, and I am somewhat uh, of a lunatic about this. Um, And I break things down as follows, that pretty much everything you do during your work day uh, needs to follow sort of one of two 
uh, commands. And that is it needs to accomplish one of these two things. And these two things are you need to make decisions in the best interest of your constituents and shareholders. That's the first. And the second is you need to make decisions that help your people be personally successful. So every action you take, every uh, decision you make, every meeting you take, whether it be client-driven or internally driven or with an analyst or someone from the press, has to be in support of one or both of those edicts. That's how I think about it. And if I can't figure out how it's in support of our shareholders' interests or how it's going to make our people become personally successful, I don't do it. And I, that I do think about all the time. So that keeps you focused then? That is, that is it's like a, a sermon level commitment to that. I do have that. So I don't really think that may or may not be leadership. That's up for others to assess. But for me, that is how I define it. Mm -hmm. And what does that, how does that help you on a day-to-day -day basis then when it comes to working with, I mean, you have so many people uh, that you are the boss of. How, how does that help you every day to work with them? Well, you know, it's a crazy business and it's very fast paced. And in my particular case, as a lot of people, I am uh, literally and figuratively all over the place. <laughs> um, and that's um, both a difficult and also an enjoyable part of the job. Um, now, so what that means, though, is naturally because we are all human and all have uh, all get tired or all get impatient mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, there are times you need to be recentered. So I believe in recentering, and so this is these two things are what I use to recenter. So if I'm unsure about something, or if I'm questioning myself, or if I think that something isn't quite right, maybe I'm wrong. So then I think about, well, is it one of these two things? Is it in support of one of these two things? And that helps me recenter in my decision making. Okay. So that is how I use it. And from your thinking of leadership, is there anyone that you think, oh, I learned an awful lot from them? Do you have a mentor? Or is there someone in history that maybe you've, you've read a lot about? Who inspires your leadership? Well, there's two that come to mind, and uh, one of them might be intuitive to you, the other one likely not. Um, so the first, uh, not in reverse chronological order, would be our late CEO, Pierre Namterm. Uh, Pierre was, uh, uh, Pierre and I were very different people, um, but he had this quality that I found to be remarkable in that he could, he was a very good listener, number one, but also he believed in surrounding himself with people that had different skill sets than he had. Many people in leadership positions surround themselves with like minds, mm -hmm. with like backgrounds, like a club mm -hmm. of common interests. And I would suppose, that I would put forward that that is the wrong strategy for most businesses at least. It might be fine for a reading club or you know a bocce club or a soccer club, but that's not what business is. Mm -hmm. Business is about being okay with processing conflict, seeking out different backgrounds and different points of view. And Pierre was really good at that. Um, and in part, um, you know, Pierre was steadfastly supportive of, that, of Accenture Interactive. He, was, uh, he helped uh, our broader team grow this uh, organically and inorganically. Mm -hmm. But he didn't wake up one day and think Interactive was the greatest thing. He needed to be convinced. Uh, and he brought in people that 
he did not have any form of agency background. You know, he was a financial services executive, long-standing executive at Accenture, very successful, but he had an uncanny ability uh, to bring in, surround himself with complementary talent, and I learned a lot from them. So from a more macro perspective, uh, you know, I think about this a lot, uh, at least I used to. Um, so there's this character in American history that kind of went against conventional wisdom at the time and fought through conflict to accomplish something great, and that is Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and that is something that I've studied a little bit, uh, not just in movies, but in literature. And I think the things that he did specifically have, while not perfect, have lasted for you know, so many years and have it kicked off such a long-standing needed change in the country in a number of different ways. And he was not afraid to push that forward uh, despite the opposition based on what he knew was right. And I would say the commonality between the two, if there is one, is the word change. They, they are both people that have driven change. Yeah. Um, is that something that you want to do then? Yeah, so again, that, that's a, it's a great question and it's a perfect opportunity to illustrate that. So do you want to change? Well, that depends. Change isn't necessarily good. It's not necessarily bad or good. The question is, is change necessary to create you know, a benefit to your shareholder and or a benefit to your you know, personal uh, staff and the people that are supporting you and help making uh, the organization successful? If a change is necessary to do that, then that is how I evaluate that. And I do think in many cases that has been the case, but not all. Mm -hmm. the, you, know, you can't just say change is good or innovation is good for the sake of innovation. Cool technology is cool because it helps people and does something better that is meaningful, not because it's cool. So it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, over the recent years, what we've seen uh, at Central Interactive is bringing in more creative minds into the business. How has that changed how you lead Essential Interactive? Because those are, yeah. are very different characters to who you would have dealt with before. Yeah, so I think you're primarily referring to essentially is, is the uh, brand advertising yes. flavor of creative. Now in reality, creative is, is, is an adjective, it is a noun, it is, it is many different things. Mm -hmm. um, so creative at Accenture Interactive is, is much more than a department in a brand agency. So uh, you're absolutely correct that we've added a lot of brand agency talent. Uh, you know who these groups are that are becoming part of the Accenture Interactive family. Mm -hmm. And that has changed the game for us and upped you know, our bar, where we set the bar for ourselves in terms of the creative experiences we can help design for clients. Yeah. It has not changed the mission. The mission is still based on the belief that brands are built through an amalgamation of customer touch points through experiences not built from advertising. Mm -hmm. But the addition of all of those creative minds, many of whom you saw at Khan, uh, has really helped us kind of up our game mm -hmm. holistically and set a bar higher for ourselves, for our clients, in terms of the experiences we define. Are they difficult personalities though? Because <coughs> it tends to be the advertising creatives have a rebellious spirit almost, and they feel as though what they create is has got to kind of push back a little bit, which doesn't always go with the advertising sector. Has that made it a little bit more challenging working with these guys? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't actually. That that has not been my experience. Really? Um, um, clearly, I could point to rebellious, excessively rebellious spirits right. in the uh, creative community. That's accurate. Yeah. But I could equally point to excessively creative spirits in the technology community. Not sure. So I don't think uh, that is owned by you know brand advertising or a particular department. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean that that and I if you didn't have any of that, then you know, we wouldn't be having as much fun. I I think though they wish they owned it though. There was a there was a definite rock star element to the the creatives within these uh, companies. Um, so one of the major talk, uh, talking talking uh, points over recent years has been the growth in diversity and uh, inclusion. Uh, as a leader within your business, how do you pick up that responsibility to, to help take that forward within a sense of interactive? Yeah, so I think that fits squarely within, within the, uh, that is something that is great for our shareholders and is good business. It is also absolutely at the center of helping our people become more successful. And I believe <coughs> our work environment should in significant part reflect our world. And we do live in a diverse world with a diverse set of consumers. Mm -hmm. So it only makes sense that having an equally inclusive and diverse set of talent on board would be the right mix to help market to those consumers. So that makes good business sense to me. Mm -hmm. It's also just the right thing to do on a human level. So you know, we have many uh, well-established uh, successful inclusion and diversity programs at, not just against Accenture Interactive, but at Accenture yeah. as well, clearly of which we are actively participating in. And in our, in our business, in the kind of marketing agency side of things, mm -hmm. we have, it's great that we have greater access uh, to an IND talent marketplace than maybe uh, some other areas of maybe technology might might have, but that does not mean that we've done enough. And it's a personal priority for me, and all of the leaders that support Accenture Interactive. And that's not going away, and anytime soon, and it should not go away. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you work with teams all around the world. How how do you how does that change culturally? Because you probably have to adapt a little bit for yeah. each region. So how do you how do you personally do that? That's not easy. Yeah. So it is different uh, around the world, but. Uh, it, it's not particularly hard if you if you if you go in, if you were to go into these different cultures and different parts of the world. Let's, let's just say what I know best in the Accenture Interactive business. If you were to go in, in and try to make those places like you or like one common culture, mm -hmm. <coughs> that would be pretty tough. Mm -hmm. It would not be successful. Instead, if you go into those cultures and you basically have the hypothesis that I am here to learn, mm -hmm. I'm here to learn about you and how I can help you. So when I go to these places, like last week, I was in at the next conference in Hamburg, and I was visiting our uh, operation in Spain, in Madrid. Uh, and it, you know, it's fascinating, you know, the level of talent and some of the personalities, uh, these, these people having fun, enjoying their work marketplace, being themselves at work, mm -hmm. uh, which is a key tenet of, of a successful long-term career in my view. And it's really more about me and my team learning about them than it is um, trying to get them to confine to some sort of boundary or you know, cultural uh, adherence. Mm -hmm. And final question. If there was one leadership lesson you would learned earlier in your career that you know now, what 
what what was that lesson, or what do you wish you'd know, you'd known earlier? Well, you know, I think I actually probably just touched on it a second ago. I think uh, there's kind of two aspects to it. Um, I think people tend to try to compartmentalize their personal life from their work life. And I think that can be a successful strategy for a short-term period, a year to maybe five years at the outset. But to make a mark on the world, you kind of have to have a career, uh, an industry, where you can just be yourself. Uh, if you're someone that behaves in a certain way, you have to be in an industry that that works. And um, I think too many people, myself included when I was younger, try to make themselves excited about certain things. Mm -hmm. When if something just doesn't do it for you, that's okay. And go invest your time into a different environment that you're more excited about it. And it is as, uh, as much culture, uh, physical space, the people you're hanging out with, as it is the end work product. Right. And I think, you know, I, I definitely live this uh, uh, to a significant extent now, and I encourage all of our people, and one of my main tenets I give in any of our, our meetings talking about these types of topics is, is the ability to be yourself at work. Mm -hmm. And the corollary to that is that you have to be known for something. You can be yourself at work, but I would argue that having a slightly flawed personal brand, which most of us all have, right. is better by a wide margin than having no brand at all. Right. So for example, if you're a young up and coming consultant or analyst or art director or whatever the case may be, and you're in a pool of resources being considered for a project, mm -hmm. and someone says, yeah, she can do that or he could do that, I guess so, any of them can do that. That is what you'd call necessary but insufficient. What you want is, this person may not be good at that, but they're really good at that. Mm -hmm. And they are gonna shine in this area. You have to be known for certain things that you can shine, where you can shine. And, and that intersects with this notion of being yourself at work. And finding those out um, and bringing out the best in other people, I mean, that is what it's all about. And I, it took me, you know, probably 20 years in the marketplace before I learned that about myself. And it's been uh, a fortuitous last 10 years at Accenture Interactive because those things have paid off. So what you've just explained to me there is, it's good to have that self-realization, but you need a manager to try and encourage that as well. You can, I think a lot of managers probably do try to treat everyone quite similarly, but really you need to treat everyone as an individual which is an exhausting thing to try and do. So what would you say to managers when, when you suggest that you need to, all staff need to basically find what they're good at and build around that? What would you say to managers to encourage that? Well, I would say that the, what the manager should be asking themselves is not are they doing what I expected them to do or are they doing what the person before them did, mm -hmm. but instead they should be saying, is this person behaving in a way that's going to add value to the shareholder and help the broader team be successful, mm -hmm. even if that's not the way I would do it. And how can I help them be successful? Well, obviously these things have certain boundaries and limits, yeah. 
But if you change your going in perspective, I believe it does affect things. I mean, I, we all have managers that we've loved working for. And we all have, by, by definition, if you say you love working for someone, you're sort of implying you love working for someone else less. And that's all okay. This is a normal thing that we should all be very comfortable with. Not every day is going to be big, you know, be perfect. And some days, as uh, I say with my colleagues, someday you've just got to go out there and buy the bigger pants. Mm. <laughs> okay, I will take that as your last word in uh, leadership today. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cheers.